Okay, so I'll, I'll get us in and then we'll just go. Okay. Okay, so sound effects, sound effects, music, blah, 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 blah. Hello and welcome again to the Bearded Beacon. I'm Seal. I'm Chris. And this is episode number two. The second one. The second one. Episode mm-hmm. the second. Twice yes. the fun. Twice the fun. So not only is it episode two, but uh, just kick it right off, we're going to discuss episode two of Netflix's Marvel's Jessica Jones. That is correct. Yes. It's beginning to shape up. Yes. What are your, what, how, what are you feeling? What are your thoughts on this, just on the second episode? It was one of those episodes that it's just like, no, 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 nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. No, kind of something's happening. Oh, wait, there's something really big happening. Oh, oh man, it's getting bigger and bigger. And oh my gosh, it just boiled over and it's all over my stovetop. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way, but since you put it that way, that's that's kind of how that episode went. I watched it a second time this morning and and made some notes as I was going, jotting these little things down, and I was like, whoa, this is getting you know kind of bigger and bigger and bigger, and oh my goodness. I think it's taken off at this point. I think by the end of this episode, at least for me, the show's like, it's rolling, and I think it's only going to get bigger and badder and crazier from here. But rewind to the beginning of the episode... That opening shot where she's in the interrogation room, you've got all that. You've got just, it's kind of like, you know, just like a close-up of her face, but it's framed in, and you've got kind of this negative space out in front of her, and it's all dark, and it's just this clear frame, and you realize after a second it's that one-way glass, She's and she's looking right at it like, I didn't know somebody's back there watching me. But, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it, uh, I actually have a note that I made a little bit later, but I'm going to bring it in now because it pertains to that. Have you noticed, and I'm, I'm curious to see, because the show, they had, I think it was four different or five different directors, and this guy Clarkson's done the first two episodes, and I think he does one or two more, so it kind of sets the stage, and I'm wondering if they're going to continue this or not, but something I noticed that he's doing is the way he's, um, the way he's framing his shots, especially when it's introducing a character into a scene, he's literally framing them. Have you noticed that, like... In that shot with the in the mirror, you can see the outline, the trim of the mirror, the outline of the frame a little bit, and it's oh, framed yeah. her and it's boxed her in, and he does that a lot throughout the show. Watch it, if you watch the episode, even you know just going forward, you don't need to necessarily go back, but just watching it going forward, look for that because it's it was so interesting the way he does that, and especially with her because he really squeezes her in and. and gives this kind of claustrophobic feel to me it's it's sort of playing on i think it's amping up or trying to amp up our feeling or our empathizing with her anxiety of course she's dealing with the ptsd and and all that and that's and that just breeds anxiety issues and it's just so interesting the way that you know the way they're framing or boxing her in like that and they'll continue to do it and something i noticed is on her, they'll they'll carry that through into a scene a little bit deeper. Whereas other people, when they introduce them, they'll still kind of do the same thing. Like even um, the the first scene in the bar when she goes to see Luke Cage, he's framed in, but it's a little bit looser. And then when we cut to inside, it's pretty much you know he's got all this space. You need to, you don't feel it. He's boxed in, but they still kind of keep putting her between stuff. And it's I just thought that was interesting. It's very very subtle, but once you see it, you can't not see it, and it just to me, it got under my skin. So, so you're saying that we're watching a comic book show? Yes. So you're seeing the frames. You're seeing 
you're seeing the panels and that makes cool. it feel it's, very it's much like, like the comic best picture. motion comic that i've ever seen so. i know right mm-hmm. exactly but it's just it's neat that's one of those things you can do um as a director not to sound like pretentious ass but it's one of those things you can do as a director um to create you know you because you're trying to elicit an emotional response you're trying to connect with the audience and your or the viewer or whatever and so I thought that was kind of a neat little touch they've done on some of those shots. That and his camera angles are just crazy. But yeah, were... I like them though. At least they they didn't go for the wobbly camera thing. So no. I, oh, thank God. And yeah, it's I'm glad that's gone. But yeah, it's it's. It, I agree that his camera angles are interesting and they are inspiring because yes. like it is more like looking at something new because of what he's doing with that. I think a little bit playing with, you know, all these convergent, the, the way the lines converge on the, you know, into the screen and stuff like that. But there's some of these strange angles. But if you look at it, look at the way shots are cut together and you'll go from this really weird angle, you know, where like a cab's coming in almost upside down on the screen at a diagonal and then it cuts. But he moves the, when the camera goes from shot one to shot two and you're sort of back on the ground looking and it's quote-unquote normal shot looking across the street at this cab that pulls up it works it he's because the way the camera was is like if he had been if they had set that shot up level on the street in just the wrong spot when they cut it would have been this it would have been a really bad jump cut you would have done the heinous thing of crossing that 180 degree line which when it works it works but most of the time it doesn't but he's they're they're getting this trick stuff in there to where they can make it feel like you're moving 180 degrees, but you're really not. And so it's not that jarring to your brain, at least not to mine. Yeah. I've, I've been enjoying that. Some of the, it's like, okay, they're in this weird upside down backwards diagonal shot. How, how are they going to get out of this? And then boom, one cut. And you're like, oh, well that makes total sense. I never would have thought of that, but it shows, it shows how much consideration for, the way this thing's going to cut together that they're putting in, it shows how much attention to detail is going into making the show. Cause that stuff doesn't work unless you really plan it out and you really know what you're doing and you know the effect that you want. Otherwise shots like that just don't work. Yeah. Again, I think that goes back to, I think the show's in pretty good hands. <laughs> it seems yeah, like they're doing, good. they're doing a good job. If they're doing that much consideration into just like the normal shots and everything, I think it's, it's pretty impressive. Uh, they didn't, I don't know if they did as much of that in Daredevil. They really focused more on the the fighting. Yes. When it was happening, I guess. But it, and but yeah, with this, Jessica Jones isn't always like kicking somebody's butt or anything like that. Although she get, did get to in this episode. Yes, and we'll get to that. Which was nice. Yes. Yeah. So that that was one of the things I was I was grateful for. It's like, okay, we got to see some, some butt whooping early on. Going back real quick to... The interview room, the interrogation scene, whatever you want to call it. I guess it really wasn't an interrogation. She wasn't under arrest. They were, she were just questioning her. But mm-hmm. um, you may or may not have noticed this. I did. And did you watch, uh, did you ever watch The Wire back in the day? I did not, no. Fantastic show. If you get a chance, you should watch it. It's okay. great. Okay. The detective in this scene is uh, played by... Er, it was, I think it's Clark Peters. Is that right? Um, he was in The Wire. Yeah, Clark Peters. Um, he played a detective 
on the wire. And his thing was he had this little, they had this bit that they had him do all the way through the show, all five seasons. He made this little, he made from like from scratch miniature, this miniature dollhouse furniture, but it was, it was like highly detailed, highly accurate, a lot of antique replicas and stuff like that. And he, it was like his thing that he'd do and you know, he'd make it and sell it, whatever. And it was, all, there was always kind of a r- little running gag, little running joke all the way through the show. Um, with this little miniature antique furniture. And he talked about how, you know, he'd go and sell it and this and that. And then the, the bit where he's like, well, what were you doing? What was it? Where'd she say she was? Pennsylvania or something? He's like, well, what are you doing up there? And she's like, antiques. Oh, yeah. I love them. And he goes, and he leans <laughs> back and he goes, so do I. And I was like, oh yeah, Lester's back. <laughs> so, that was his That's character. Funny. It was Lester. So I was like, because we walked in, I was like, "Oh my God, it's Lester from the Wire!" And then the the bit about the antiques, and I was, dude, I was laughing. I was rolling laughing at that. I was like, "Oh, this is so great!" So I don't know, I don't know how much that was on purpose, but it was fantastic. I kind of wonder how many, like, what happens when those words come out of like a, a actor's mouth? Does the the multiverse just like expand exponentially, or is it still contained within this show? Oh my. Now you're, now you're, oh, dude, now you're messing with my head. Cause now is, I know. Cause he is, cause he does look <laughs> older and, and, you know, older and wiser. And, you know, by the end of the, by the end of the run there, he was, he was, he seemed a little disillusioned a bit, perhaps with the uh, Baltimore PD. So perhaps he's, he's moved on to New York. Cause they never, I don't think they ever said his name. I don't think you ever got a name out of him. He just walks in and they start talking and then she storms out. So maybe that was Lester. Oh, please let that be true. Wouldn't that be great for geeks like me? Because then that means that that whole world of the wire is in the Marvel Universe. Well, that was a good rabbit trail. That'd be interesting. Wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. I think we got people like frames, um, the wire. um, What are these people talking about? (laughs) Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. My next note I have is, so, okay, something else I noticed, and I didn't, I thought about writing it down, but I didn't write it down, and I'm surprised I remembered it. But it seems like this episode has a lot of these sort of interview scene, these interviews or interrogations or confrontations, if you will, between Jessica and somebody. And there's almost always a table. You've got the interview room with the table, and they're sitting at the table, and then you go to where she goes to see Hope at the jail. Right. And it's almost that same kind of thing, but the you know the roles are flipped where she's playing the other part but it just struck me i don't know where to go with that thought but i kept thinking it while i was watching i was like this is like they're repeating this cycle over and over again and it's like each time you know that she's slowly you you slowly and i think this goes back to uh i think what we were both trying to get to maybe a little bit at the beginning of this conversation was how it's building to where she's taking a little more control each time and you see her, I guess her confidence building a little bit and she's sort of, you know, emotionally, I guess, leveling off and taking a little more control when she's a little bit more in the driver's seat. Cause that first one ends, you know, I mean, it's like a fight or flight kind of thing, which plays into the whole anxiety angle and all that, because that's that reaction that that situation would elicit and be that fight or flight. And, yeah, and, she also, fight. Yeah, and then also, but then it turns around at the end to show the hero as far as her standing up to her anxieties and exactly. coming back to, to fight back. so Exactly, exactly. So like each with each one of those confrontations, she gets a little stronger and a little stronger until finally she's kind of like the end of the first episode where she was almost at the cab and then she turned around and went back in. We get a similar moment 
And here where she's like, stands her ground. She's like, no more, no further. <laughs> True story. True story. But dude, that, that conversation with hope and, you know, you get a little bit of, you, you get the reveal of, you know, what you get a little more of idea of what Kilgrave was making them both do. And, and, um, I don't know if you're, I don't know if we're getting insight into his motivations or not yet. Sort of, I think we are, I think as we go along, we get more to that, but man, when, when hope looks her right in the eye and just says, it's your fault. You know, when she, when Jessica's right. like, you have to tell yourself, this isn't your fault. This is not your fault. And she goes, no, it's your fault. It's like, <laughs> damn. I mean, your heart just sinks. It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, and then all the rambling, like in between the, um, well, the frame that there's there, because you get to see the room beside the room where the, um, the intern or whatever, the nurse yeah. is starting to make phone calls and get medicine and stuff like that. And it's going back and forth. And then you hear, uh, you should just go kill yourself. I mean, it's, it's not worth it. Just, just go kill yourself. Yeah. I was like, Whoa, I did not see that coming. Mm-mm. And the way she just says it so matter of factly, like she's just resigned to it. She's just like, I don't think it's something that I don't, I, I think at this point she's kind of got her, she's back in control of her faculty, so to speak. And I think that was her speaking from experience. Just what this has done to her is here's what I've seen. And here's the conclusion I've come to. What's your name? Give me, give me from something the, here. From there she goes to see, is it Jerry? Is that the, the lawyer lady? Oh God, I can't remember her name. I just call her lawyer okay, lady. She goes, I literally, I think yeah, in my notes, I call goes, her lawyer lady. Yeah, she goes to see the lawyer lady from there and then tries to get the lawyer lady to go and let her, well, work for her or whatever. And then she has to go figure out how to produce Kilgrave yeah. from there. And that was, uh, I That's, like that bit about, I'll owe you a favor. And it's like, aha, you will. <laughs> oh, this is going to go bad for you later on. Yeah, I can just feel it. Especially when they, oh, they keep, I don't know, they keep um, throwing little ideas out that Kilgrave has his hooks in everybody and mm-hmm. or at least that's the that's the way you're, they're making you feel that she's feeling so that's yeah. a, that's that's a, that's a interesting feeling to have the whole world against you and not being able to cope with that so oh yeah I mean it's it it's creating and feeding paranoia at that point it's you know it's that you know the conversation that she has with her friend with her with her friend Trish and she's like basically the point is anybody could be this guy's weapon against me. I could get on the mm. bus and the bus driver could drive it off a bridge. Somebody could come to the door and shoot me, whatever. It's just, it's, this guy could have his hooks into anyone. And it's like everybody out there is a pawn. Everybody's in the game, whether they want to be or not. Ooh, I got another wire reference in there about the game. So you wire nerds oh will know what I'm talking about. Chris, you won't know what I'm talking about, but. <laughs> So in this no in this world though there are no civilians everyone's in the game they always talk about the game and <laughs> civilians and all that stuff but, but yeah I mean it could be this dude could be manipulating using anybody you don't know they don't know I think that's the biggest issue I just hope I don't they, they didn't give you an idea that hope was going to shoot her parents like when she was going away with them no. kind of did well just just enough at the last moment but yeah do that. Yeah, because they, I, I thought they did, I thought they did a good job, uh, in that little sequence there of, of making you think that they just might. I think they're going to get away. They just might get away, and then, of course, they don't. But yeah, but yeah, because yeah, I, you know, it's like you don't really, you think, okay, well, maybe something could happen. But for me, I was on the fence. I was like, okay, this can go 
there's a 50-50 chance this is going to go good or this is going to go bad. And then I wasn't sold on it until she reached into her purse and was like, oh, she's going to pull out a gun. <laughs> and then sure enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but talking Crazy about... canoodling. I know. But it's interesting talking about... Because I think most of what we've discussed so far has been kind of the darker side of the show. You know, right. the anxiety and the depression and the, the paranoia and all these things. And it struck me... I caught it a little bit the first time I watched this episode, but it struck me even more watching it this morning. How freaking funny this show is, actually. There is a lot of humor injected into this show. And you, really? you kind of got to look for it, but there's, there's a few, there's a few kind of funny jokes in the show. Um, her dealing with the neighbors. Yeah. You know, the neighbors. Yeah. Noise. yeah the thing throwing the boot in the first episode, hitting the break, breaking the plaster off the wall. I mean, that was kind of, a, eh. but when she just finally has enough in this, in episode two and just goes up there and just reads in the riot act. And those two just complete lunatics that we find out her brother and sister is like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then her line that the, the, I love the line about self-respect, get some, you know, it's like, Hey, isn't that the pot calling the kettle black? Mm-hmm. But then by the, I think by the end of the episode, she's, I think she's sort of found that, or she's finding it. She's opened the door to that self-respect that she's telling them to get. She's just passing on the good feelings because she, she's getting them. She wants everybody else to have them. And she wanted them to shut up. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, but that was just a funny little scene. Then, and those two... Oh, gosh, then the brother showing up behind her and telling her, oh, you're very strong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Uh, thanks. Thanks, guy. Um, yeah. Thanks, buddy. So, do you, do you get the feeling that I don't want to, I don't want us to run off to the Alias comic too much? But do you get the feeling that this kid is kind of filling the role of the the kid from the comic that like just kind of kept showing up and was like, "Hey, can I work for you? Hey, can I answer your phone? I'll intern. You don't have to pay me." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I would I would see that. Yeah, just kind of fascinated by her and just you know, it's like oh, you know, falling around like a little puppy dog. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Either that or he's going to totally twist something toward at her. And yeah, but I'm a paranoid person. So yeah, that's probably why we talk about the paranoia and anxiety and all that stuff so much because it calls out to us. It does. Well, you know me and my anxiety issues. Mm -hmm. Is that your water heater I hear? No, it's my heater heater. I'm just joking anyway. So, oh, I see what you did there. You little. Yeah, I see. I, I I see what you did, trying to play on that fear. Yes, yes. So what we're talking about here is is a little aside. Chris and I had the living in this apartment in Louisville, and it got flooded twice because two different hot water heaters in that building let go and drained right into our apartment. It was awesome. I don't believe either one was ours. No, oh, no, no, no. The first one was ours. Okay. The, the really, the ours. really bad one where there was like four inches of water in my bedroom. Yeah, that was ours. Mm-hmm. But it let go and drained, but the water kept coming because the water main was still on. Like the, the, there was a seam in there that physically burst. It wasn't like the, the TNP valve let go and just spewed water everywhere. The, there was a seam in the base of the thing that burst. And so, and the water main was still on. So it was trying to fill itself back up and it couldn't. So it was just, Pumping water out into the street. That was so wrong. That was fun. The nightmares of those box fans just going oh and going God. and going for oh days. God. Uh, All the carpet yeah. pulled back and 
Oh, <laughs> man. That was rough. And then how many, it was just, what, a couple of months later, and like maybe a month or two later after all that stuff was fixed, and I, mm -hmm. I was going to work early one morning, and I jumped out of bed and went squish. Oh, <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> I'm going to run in your room. I'm like, dude, you're going to have to take care of this. <laughs> like, I got to go to work now. Was I even there? Yeah, you were. You were, you were there. You were sound asleep. It was like 7 o'clock in the morning. Oh, so it was the first time that I... The first time you weren't, neither one of us was home the first time. Right, I got it. So I because I remember driving up one time and the back doors being open. Then yeah, that was yeah. that was the first one. Yeah, because they called me at okay. work, and they're like, "Uh, there's water coming out of your apartment." Blah blah blah. I was like, "Okay." <laughs> I went home and found that, and then that's when we went and was like, "We gotta shut this water main off." So we went and shut the water main off and got the flow stopped. And that was about when you got there. It was I think right after I got the water main turned off, and I'm I'm like dragging stuff out into the yard. But yeah, no, the second time you were sound asleep, I was going in to open the theater or something. And yeah, I'm like, dude, I got to go to work. You got to go down to the office and take care of this. <laughs> Luckily, they remembered from the last time. So they, they got it taken care of a lot faster. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that place was fun. Hey, it was cheap though. Yeah, but, it was cheap. Yeah. I guess we got what we paid for. Exactly. But at the time, it's not like we could afford anything else. Mm -mm. So, so back um, back to the show. Sorry, kids. Back to the show. Yeah, yeah. No kind of. I think that kind of knocked no out. Get to know me for tonight. So we just jumped into that right in the middle. Yeah. So we're both uh, apartment flood survivors, sort of. Not like we were ever in any yeah. danger, but it was well, more of a giant. Slipped. It was more. We could have slipped. <laughs> I think in our situation, it was more of a giant inconvenience than people who have actually had their homes flooded. I, I don't. I don't think we could compare yeah. our experience to to I'd something like that. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah it's not like we had know, feet we of nothing. water and mud and stuff in our house. It was, you know, mm. it was what it was. Although frustrating at the time, in the grand scheme, not that bad. It's just funny that it happened twice in the space of a few months in the same place, and you know, for nearly the same reason. So that's the part that gets to me. Okay, back to the show. Ah, so the okay, so when she's trying to figure out. What happened the night of the bus crash? And she's, yeah. she's starting to investigate now. And, she, you know, okay, well, he had to have gone to a hospital. So she finds the hospital. Nope, never showed up. Well, what the hell happened? And she goes and finds the ambulance driver. That scene was messed right. up. I know. <laughs> yeah. There's that dark humor again, though. I mean, following the mom. Yeah. Who thinks it's a blessing versus what the the kid, the son actually feels. and. There's just like a dark humor in there and it's just way, way dark, but still. But still. It's, yeah, yeah, craziness, literally craziness. I mean, wanting it, he's wanting death and she's just wanting him to live. Yeah, he writes, he writes that note, you know. Mm -hmm. She's like, You think he's going to write Kilgrave? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kill no, me. not Kilgrave, no. kill me. One of, my, one of my takeaways I actually wrote down was uh, going back to one of her little lines of dialogue. You know, when the mom, she's like, hey, get me a glass of water. And she then locks in on the dude. And she's like, God didn't do this. The devil did it. I was like, whoa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and again, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not, that's not some earth shattering piece of dialogue. But it just, the fact that she said it, the way she said it, she meant it. That's what she thinks of this guy is right. this guy is the devil. And I think that's what we're supposed to take away from that is this guy's the devil. <laughs> he's, he's not, there's nothing, nothing endearing about this character other than the fact that it's 
David Tennant and how do you not love that guy even when right. he's a complete dick. Yeah, and this is one of the this is one of the parts where I noted, you know, her she's her resolve. You see her resolve kind of becoming more solid. She's becoming more focused. You know, at this point she's act, she's actively going after this guy trying to find him and, you know, I think coming out yeah, of this I scene felt like and, when when, uh, I, just, I was just going to say, I felt like as soon as she pulled out that file folder and she tossed all the stuff on her desk and started organizing it, that's when you see like a change in her. She starts getting getting that resolve back and just starting going from there. So Yeah, I can see that. And I think the, the scene with the, the ambulance driver with the paramedic just sort of just further steals that resolve. And she's like, because she, she comes out of that, she comes out of that house pissed. Like, this guy has ruined yet another life. I mean, he just completely destroyed the guy. And, spoiler alert, stole both his kidneys. How mm-hmm. messed up is that? And we come and they to weren't find, even permanent kidneys. And they weren't even... Come to find out, we don't even know if this guy was a match, but the surgeon that did it was like, hey, you can use anybody's kidneys for a little while. He's going to have to do it again in a couple of years. He just wanted to be whole. <laughs> it's like, whoa, how screwed up do you have to be? I mean, it wasn't enough just to patch himself up and then figure it out. It was like, nope, I'm going to be 100%. If I got to do it again, I got to do it again. Then to do it without anesthetic as well. That was messed up too. Oh, well, he had anesthetic, but yeah. Yeah, but local, he yeah, he he gave him what was an epidural so. and to be awake mm-hmm. through that. But mm-hmm. that's that that was a neat little that was a neat little thing, you know, because the, the surgeon's explaining to her about, you know, she's like, well, I don't understand. He, he clearly wanted to be conscious. He didn't want to be knocked out, but he sleeps. And he goes, no, 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 this is completely different. And then he starts talking about the propofol and sufentanil. And he's like, this is a different kind of unconscious. And then that, the, there's that light bulb. It's like, wait a minute. He's powerless if that happens. Right. So now we know, at least now we know his weakness. So up until now, you know, okay, is this guy just completely invulnerable? I mean, is there no way to stop him? But now we have something. And the, uh, yeah, the sufentanil, I think that's what they gave me when I had my back surgery to put me out. And dude, it's like next level unconscious. They started pushing that stuff and they did the so whole you, thing have where... Have you been to all the levels um, of unconscious? I think at this point I have, except the, you know, I haven't been dead. I guess that would be like the final level. Yeah. Thank God for that. But yeah, I'm thinking that that spine surgery was probably, you know, I think that took me on a tour because that was that was crazy. Because mm-hmm. they, you know, they start pushing the stuff and okay, count back from 100, and I go 90. Nah. And next thing I know, <laughs> it's a, a few hours later, and I'm waking up, and they're like, "How do you feel? Did we even leave the room?" <laughs> I mean. It was nothing. It was over in a flash. But anyway, so now we know Kilgrave has a weakness. And it's not like this is any, you know, street drug that she can go get. It's not like, you know, she can just go pick this stuff up off the street, you know, or rob a pharmacy and get it or something like that. This is like the hardcore under lock and key armed guard kind of stuff. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how she gets her hands on it. If Her neighbor kid will probably have some. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that poor kid. The, the the one that the neighbor the, the one that yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah no I don't want your TV that well, was stolen yeah I figured see I mean that again there's the humor mm-hmm. and then we get the cat out of the bag because you get lawyer lady and hope and then hope's like yeah something about Jessica she's like oh wait a minute why don't you walk me through this mm-hmm. lots of cats out of the bag this time mm-hmm. yeah we got you know there's so I think at this point 
every, I think at this point, you know, by the end of this episode, I don't say at this point in the episode, but by the end of this episode, I think everybody's weaknesses are pretty much out there. If not, and if not weaknesses, at least, you know, secrets are out in the open. Yeah. Somebody knows something about somebody at this point, And we, as the audience know these important things about these key players in the story. We even find a little bit out, a little more out about Trish. Yeah, I love that. They just had me going for a minute there. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, was, I wasn't ready for that. Yeah, that was interesting. The, the you know, at the radio station and you, know, you see the bruises on her arms and the guy's like, you better cover up. She puts her jacket and you're like, mm-hmm. what? Oh, man, somebody, you know, did somebody do that to her? Is it is she sick? What's going on? And then, you know, she's leaning over the glass in her house and the blood drops into the water. I was like, man, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, maybe she's sick. Maybe it's, you know, some kind of cancer or something. And she goes into that little dojo or whatever that she built in her apartment and starts whooping that guy's ass. Like, she's like, okay, let's do this again. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I kept, but I kept flashing back to um, the uh, Kilgrave making them jump. And I was like, thinking, oh, yeah. Oh, man, the Kilgrave's got her. And oh, yeah. She's making her jump and do weird stuff. And yeah. Yeah, exhaustion is making kinda, her bleed. <laughs> kind of giving you that, that kind of faking you out a little bit, making you think that he's on the scene a little bit early. Yeah, I've but seen no. a few shows like that. Everything yeah. planned from the very beginning episode, and then everything runs back to it. But yeah, I don't see that happening here. So yeah, I think the, I mean, obviously the whole thing's planned out, but I think it's, I, I get what you're saying. And I think this is more, the story's going to have more of an organic feel to it. It's going to be more cause and effect rather than this meticulous nefarious plot although that's kind of what Kilgrave's kind of going for I mean he clearly is plotting against Jessica he's trying he's he's trying to get back at her at this point or trying you know but yeah I think we're gonna see and, cause and effect stuff happen and perhaps everyone I think everybody's gonna get caught off guard at some point in this thing I don't I don't think it's gonna be I don't think he's some at least I hope not wouldn't that be I mean if he was that what if he was what if he was with that power that he has what if he was also an evil genius too I mean, how do you beat that? Yeah, then I would be questioning why he's doing what he's doing and not going on a larger scale. Yeah. Because that's one thing my wife and I were talking about. We're like, well, why doesn't he just go after the president or like the United Nations or something like that? I mean, what's stopping him? Right. It's like, what? But yeah, what's. That's going all meta on him. So, yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Well, if you think about it, I mean, he kind of did go big, assuming he knew, I mean, he had to, well, he had to have known about Jessica's abilities and think about it. He had his own, his own personal super powered person in his back pocket. And in a way that is kind of going big. Now we haven't really seen that. We just get these little flashbacks, but that's what's intimated is, you know, okay, think about it. He had control of her, so he had control of her abilities. And it could be questionable about when he found out about that too. That's true. That's true. I don't, his, his ability, as far as I can tell, doesn't, he can control people, but he doesn't know everything about that person. Right. Yeah. It's not like he's reading their minds. It's just, he's, he's implanting this suggestion or this thought or this idea on mm-hmm. them. He's projecting onto them. He he's not reading off of them. the little girl had to go to the bathroom. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> but he did know that children should be not seen and not heard. That's, that's right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That, okay. That, uh, <laughs> that's and that's and as if we didn't already have enough evidence of just how evil this guy is we finally get to see him in action and that was that was definitely a for me that was a payoff in this episode is i you know 
we've heard all this stuff and seen these little flashes, but now we get to see him do his thing. I thought that was as uncomfortable as that scene was to watch. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yes, it was. I yeah, it made me despise him instantly. So and anybody that has children and saw that the same way. I mean, oh, I can't imagine taking advantage and. Well, taking advantage of every possible thing that you could take advantage of. And he stepped on the little kid's car, on the toy car. I know. Which was purple, I mean, that, by the that way. That probably broke it for you, so right there. Did you notice the car was purple? It was purple, yes. You'd think he'd like that, but, you know. But no, no. He's that much of a jerk that he's still going to step on that car. Yep, yep. He's, he's just, he's, he's a narcissist, I think. He's all about me. He's like, no, this thing's in my way. Crunch. Kicks it. Now it's not out of my way. Go mm-hmm. get in the closet. But I got to go to the bathroom. And I love it how he just, it's, he's just like, he, he almost sounds like an exasperated parent. Just go in there, it'll be fine. <laughs> you know, just like, just go do it, it'll be fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it, just go. Yeah. And then really up the creep factor when he sits down, what's for dinner? And then, you know, he picks up that knife and he starts cleaning it. And he's like, I have a very particular palate. <laughs> it's like, oh man, you better not screw up that rack of lamb. Mm-hmm. Interesting that it was a lamb. So sacrificial yeah. image there. Yeah. I kind of got that feel. Um, just rewind. The scene at the, the house with the, the paramedic and his mom and the, yeah. the archways in the house. And so I see arches and I start yeah. thinking Roman arches and then I see all the crosses and it's like, ooh, there's perhaps some symbolism here. I don't know. But then again, that might have been just me reading into it or reaching. I don't know. Definitely, definitely gets creepy at the end. What mm-hmm. would you say? I would say. And okay, so I so, so, so I hear me, you folded. Do what? I hear you folded. Ah, uh, I did, and sort of. I watched the. I, I did okay, watch the so third episode. Okay. Um, because I had yeah, I did. I did cave. I because watched Kevin it. Smith made you do it. Kevin Smith made me do it. Yeah, I was listening right. to uh, Fat Man on Batman, and they were talking about it. And before I could get to it quick enough, it, you know, got to get. I was like, oh damn, I didn't want to know that. I don't. And then. But thankfully, he was like, okay, uh, you might want to fast forward here because we're about to give away the end of the series. I was like, oh, damn. Click, 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 click. Jump forward about five or ten <laughs> minutes. I was like, okay, at least I don't know how this thing ends. <laughs> but I was like, oh, well, I got this little detail and that little detail. I was like, ah, what the heck? I'll just go ahead and watch it. But that was part of the reason why I made specific notes this time was so I wouldn't go past that when we were talking to go, oh, yeah, and then about blah. And then because... For the sake of the show, this show, we're going to stick to the one episode at a time. And for your sake, because I don't, I know you don't have the, the same kind of free time I do to, you can't just sit down and go, I'll just watch two episodes or three episodes today because I ain't got nothing to do. Well, I could just lock my kids in the closet and do it. You could, but then, you know. I wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. No. Because that, that you're not a sociopathic narcissist jerk off. Yeah. Yeah. And, okay, for you... That scene, that dinner scene, could the episode have ended right there? Yeah, easily. Yeah, me too. I mean, even, yeah, it's just, I like how some of these shows just keep going and going, but at the same time, I think, don't necessarily have to have it like that way. But yeah. it they've been able to make it work. Yeah, like, and, I, and I think it worked in this one. It's just, I, I would have been, I would have been satisfied if it had ended right there. Yeah. But, yeah, I but... We do get that little scene at the end with Luke Cage. Yeah, which is nice. I yeah. mean, it's it's good that they both come out. And yeah. That's good. Yeah. So everything's kind of out in the open. Man, he picks up that circular saw and that look on her face. Mm-hmm. 
And he's just like, whatever. Throwing sparks and the motor's burning up. And you notice once he stopped it, and as that little dialogue goes on, that motor is basically on fire and it's just smoking the entire time. Yeah. Like he cooked that thing on his skin. (laughs) That's just crazy. And it makes you like... Well, for me, it made me think, oh, man, is his skin all hot and stuff now because of that? Yeah. And then she goes up and she's like touching it and she's like, oh, okay. It's like, how are you not going to burn cool. your hand? Mm-hmm. Okay, we got to go back to that fight scene, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> that was that was some comedy there. Okay. I mean, so, it was just fun watching. Oh, it was great. And we get, so we get a bar fight. You don't get more cliche than that. It's a detective show, people. This is a noir crime detective show. We even got a bar fight, and it was great. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to watch the two of them, you know, Luke and Jessica versus these, what were they, rugby players? Yeah. It was pretty funny because, like, you could see both of them checking each other out while they're doing it. And yeah. It was just funny. And, and she's having like, to put oh, some wait. effort into it. I mean, she, clearly she's a little rusty, and, mm-hmm. you know, she's... She's going after these guys, and Cage is like, whatever. Smack, slap, slap. Guy stabs him in the neck with a bottle, and he just, it didn't break. It didn't, it, it didn't, it didn't cut. Or so, what was it? It didn't cut. And he looks at him yeah. like, boy, I am going to. And they just smack. <laughs> and that one dude, she just keeps picking. And just, she keeps picking that one guy up and throwing him across the room. Is that the, I yeah. think it's the same guy that, she, that every time he saw somebody fly, and I think it was the same guy every time. <laughs> like he'd get back up and she'd grab him and toss him again. And I don't know if you noticed that I'll go back to um, kind of the the filmmaking part of it and the craft of it. The the mise-en-scene, the stuff of the scene, just the crap that's got, that's what's going on in the frame. When you're watching it, that's all the stuff. That's everything that's happening. Okay. It's everything that's there. It's the set. It's the costumes. It's the people. It's everything. And okay. something, I saw something that you don't, it was this nice little touch that I don't see that often in a bar fight scene in a movie or a television show. One of the guys got pitched over the bar. He got pitched in literally into the bar, into the taps. And he caught one right. of the taps and he yanked back. And then there's a couple of cutaway shots where the cameras pull back a little bit and you see the whole room after that. And that tap is swung back and there's just beer just running everywhere. That was just this nice little touch that, you know, again, they're paying attention to these little details. And then all the other people on the bar are just, they're just standing out of the way. They're like, okay, we're going to just stay out of the way. Yep. Let let Luke take care of it, and mm-hmm. and we'll get our drinks right after that. Exactly. Well, it is a, I mean, you know, you're in a dive bar in Hell's Kitchen. What are you going to do? Right. And then he's like, shots for everybody. <laughs> and everybody just swarms the bar. Mm-hmm. That, was, that, was, that was a great scene. I love that scene. I mean. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. I, I, I watched that one. I watched that one a couple of times. Um, the first, the fir- on the first viewing of that episode, I watched that scene and I was like, oh yeah, I went right back and I think I watched it a couple of more times. Just rewound it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much episode two. So we've got weaknesses exposed. Some secrets are out. Jessica and Luke pretty much are out in the open with each other as far as, you know, they are powered super, folks. You're super. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's super. Thanks for asking. Um, you see what I did there? Um, yep. Yep. And then we, you know, finally there's a little payoff. We get to see, we get to see David Tennant kind of doing his thing. He's actually got real lines of dialogue. He actually gets, we get to see him play a scene in the show finally. Yeah. Not just pop in and like disappear. Exactly. And it was very David Tennant-y, if that's a thing. Mm -hmm. It was great. I I think it should be now. Yeah, it should be. You heard Mm -hmm. it first. We coined that phrase. 
You heard it here Tenety. first, folks. Tenity. David Tenity. Tenity. If he ever plays an octopus, it's going to be very awkward. Oh, yeah. That Tenity on tentacle. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. We just, the end the show just came off the rails, people. Templeton Tentacle. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to stop. Stop. Let's not do it. Copyright 2015, the Bearded Beacon Podcast. <laughs> hey, I don't want anybody stealing that. That's great. You need to put that in a comic book. Okay. Awesome. So. I just make a. You're drawing that yeah, right a, now, aren't you? So the way we do this. No, no, no. The way, the way we record this is uh, obviously, you know, Chris being in Nebraska, me being here, we're using FaceTime. And uh, so I can, s- I'm watching, I can see him looking down and I know he's got I'm a piece of drawing. paper and I know he's drawing. He draws. I'm not drawing. He likes to do draw rings. Uh, cool, dude. Nice. Okay. So that was not the David Tennant octopus character, but you were still drawing something. It was cool, though. Thanks. Anyway, speaking of drawing and art. Yes. We read a little trade paperback this week, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. I even got all the way into the second trade paperback. But oh, yeah. man, you're already there. I, have, I need to get. I need to order mm-hmm. the second one. There's so, actually three out right now, and, okay. and an upcoming one in April that looks like a giant one that's hardback and all that stuff. But, Ooh. Yes. Yes. So We spoke of it last time. We spoke of it last time. And the winner is Black Science. Dun, dun, dun. We thought it would be, we thought it'd be fun to dig into that. We, both, we were both quite impressed with it. So Chris said, hey, what if we just read the first volume of the trade and talk about that? So we did. And I don't know about you, but I sat down and I blew through that thing in one sitting. I could not put it down. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. What do you think of the art? I like it. Yeah. It's different, but it's cool. I don't know how to, that's, uh-huh. I don't know how to, I know that's, a, that is just the deep and compelling analysis that, that everyone is waiting for. <laughs> oh yeah, it's cool. It's different, but it's cool. That's me in yeah. a nutshell. It had, it had pictures. It and, had, and there were color. pictures and colors yeah. And things happened. And sometimes they used words. And there were yes. words. There were speech bubbles. And no, I liked it. I, I, I do. I, I like the art a lot. There's a lot going on in each. Look at those frames. I mean, just go through that thing and look at it frame by frame and look at all the stuff that's going on. And, and you're getting into your mise en scene. Yes. <laughs> but I liked it. And then I guess structure-wise, story-wise, I like how they did, you know, they would flash back. They go from the, you know, they jump back and forth in time a little bit. You know, here's what's happening right now. Here's, you know, here was a couple of weeks ago. And these, I love the, the flashback scenes, how they get closer and closer and closer and closer to the actual moment in time where you are in the story. And you're like, how is this progressing so fast? It's like, what is going to happen yeah. to get them here? And it's like, and, cause, and then all of a sudden, there's that point where just all hell breaks loose. It's like, oh, right. this, this is happening fast. It's a very, I mean, the pacing is just, it just goes. Mm-hmm. It felt like it's, a lot of times you get into this like dimensional slash time travel type thing. And it, I, time travel should speed things up. But generally, when I've re- read other time travel stuff, it slows it way down. And, it suddenly becomes really mechanical, and but this just kind of flows quickly. And like you said, they're using the um, flashbacks to progress the story rather than just to reflect upon the story. Right. And I, it, I, they do a great job. I mean, yeah. And, and seriously, this, this needs to be. And it's also, I mean, to me, it's not so much of a time travel thing. Although I'm sure there is some kind of. I mean, they're hopping dimensions. Basically, it's more of a. It's a. It's a space time kind of thing. 
It's, you know, because they're mm-hmm. clearly moving in space also. And I think that's the main point of it is jumping from dimension to dimension. The whole multiverse theory that, you know, these things splinter off and where they talk about it, they talk about what, like an onion, right? Or you peel the layers of the onion. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And you look at the rings and you can jump from ring to ring. Right. With the, with the what is it, the pillar? Yep, um, the pillar. I keep wanting to call it a monolith, but they call it a pillar. This is not, we're not. It is referred to as a monolith at some points. Is it? Well, there you go. Yeah. I just thought I Which had 2001 me, on the brain. No. It makes me question, like, whether or not, well, when, after I started the second trade, but the first trade kind of gets into it. It, it, it kind of, reflecting back into the first one, it's like, I wonder if the pillars are already there and we're just making, they just made a connection oh, with the pillar that they created. Okay. Okay. So they're jumping and they're thinking, oh, this is a new pillar. Or this is our pillar. But and I'm kind of like, well, is it? <laughs> maybe it's not. I mean, or has it already been there? And yeah. So it's like so a Stargate far. where you activate the Stargate and you go through and you come out on the other side. Yeah. And once you're on the other side, that's but not that's your probably, Stargate. That's the one on that end. Yeah. I'm, I don't know if that's exactly the way they were going with it, but that's kind of the feeling I start to feel Interesting. later in the, in the mm. book. So I'm going to have to keep reading and get caught up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. It, well, you do get, but you also get, um, I guess, what, about two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through, you find out that there's others out there, that there's right. other, these pillars, monoliths out there, and there's actually other versions of themselves out there mm-hmm. jumping from place to place. And apparently, this group with this, you know, this first set of jumps that they've done have basically torn a hole in the fabric of time and space, and they've screwed, they, basically everybody out of the pool... <laughs> these guys it's jacked all, it up for all of yeah. us. And so now they've got other alternate versions of themselves and all of a sudden chasing them down and trying to fix what they broke. Or at least that's what we're supposed mm-hmm. to believe at this point. Right. I thought the character was, design is pretty sweet. Yes. So. Yeah. And like the alien design is mm-hmm. actually alien looking. Yeah, it um, is. It's very, really. the, the frog people and the fish people. But it's in action, and I loved it when they go to that, that one place where they jump and they're in that city. And everything's kind of calm, but yeah, all these different life forms. There's like it's like this, you know, it's like Moss Eisley spaceport. You know, it's just like every mm-hmm. kind of alien life you could imagine is there. But yeah, you're right. They look alien. It's like they didn't just try to draw, you know, some kind of humanoid figure with you know some different features. It was like they're completely alien life adapted to, designed for different environments in different worlds. Mm-hmm. Dude, the and lightning tongues on. on the frogs were awesome when he took that frog's <sighs> head and he's like. Yeah. Hey, the lightning tongue's still working. He starts whipping those guys with it and chasing after him. He's like, get back, get back. <laughs> He's like, this thing's still got a charge. Snap, snap, snap. I, was like, I did not see that coming. And then the, the alternate, I guess there was an alternate earth that they landed on where the the Nazis were fighting the, the Indians and they were losing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were getting their butts kicked. Pathetically, yeah. The, it was, was what they called awesome. a reverse manifest destiny. Yeah, yeah. And they kidnap the old shaman. Mm-hmm. I love that guy. I, I hope I hope he stays with the group because that. I mean, he's he doesn't say a word, but that one time he just steps up and intervenes. And you're like, oh, this guy's a badass. Mm-hmm. I hope he sticks around. I want to know then more about this still, guy. Well, yeah, and you have the family aspect too, which is cool. Yeah, that that was that was really interesting because you have this. You know, the you got this guy. He's I mean, he clearly loves his kids, but he's starts out just it's it's interesting to see his arc because i mean he, he's a selfish self-absorbed jerk 
But by the mm-hmm. end, I mean, I loved it by the end of that where, I mean, he's doing anything to protect his kids. It's like whatever he's got to do to protect his kids and get them home safe, he's going to do it. Don't get in my way. Right. You know, he is, he is going to take anybody out. He's going to do whatever he has to and do it without a thought for himself. You know, he'll, he's putting himself in harm's way, putting himself in danger and just, I have to get these kids home to their mother. I thought that was, I thought that was kind of neat. And then you know, he finally, yeah. finally start to gain some respect for him. Like, okay, this, this is gonna Okay. The hero of our story, here we go. And then nope. And he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> and there's something in me that's saying, oh, there's going to be a way for him to be alive. <laughs> but this isn't a Marvel book, so no. There's a good chance that he's out of the game. Yeah. Well, there's a version of and, him still alive, but just yeah. not him, not the actual. I thought they, that was they, interesting they too. They him pretty good. I thought that was interesting um, when his alternate self showed up with clearly a better version of the technology, something that they could actually control. And yeah. well, of course, it wasn't sabotage to begin with, but still little handheld portable version of the tech. And he was like him and the mom. They're like, we're going to save our kids. And he's like, but these aren't your kids. They're my kids. <laughs> yeah. You lost your kids. Yours are dead. These are mine. So that that's going to be interesting. I think we're going to I think we're going to see more of them. Yeah. Later on. Yeah, they catch up. But I was, you know, they should catch up. and they, they totally set you up. That's like, okay, he's going to at least for a while be the hero and he's going to, okay, his nemesis is clearly going to be his other self. And, you know, we're going to see them go at it and then, nope, he's dead. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I feel like I got the rug pulled out from under me. Yeah. A bait and switch, sucker punch, if you will. Mm-hmm. But that said, it's a great, it's a great plot twist. I mean, it's a great, you know. Thing. It's a great storytelling device to move it forward. It's like, okay, now what? Now it sets up a whole new set of problems because you've got the main guy that understands this thing the most. He's dead. You've got the engineer that helped him build it still there. And then the one guy that knows the theory, sort of, but doesn't agree with it, but at least he gets the theory behind it. But I don't know. It's interesting. It's like, okay, how, how much worse for these survivors can it get? And how is, how is this story going to keep going? Yeah. And those poor kids. Did you... How how quickly did, were you able to discern who was a saboteur? Because um, that was actually a little bit of a it was a little bit of a surprise to me. Yeah, it was to me too. Switch on me. Yeah, it was to me too. I think I did the whole thing where I went around the table and it was like it was this one. No, it was him. No, it was her. It was him. Mm-hmm. So I was I was like because yeah, you get to the point you get to the point of reveal and you're kind of convinced it's not and it's like oh dude, <laughs> why'd you do it, man? Really? Woman, man, woman. Wait, what? <laughs> so that will keep that one back, because we want you to go read. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I mean, we can't. We can't tell you everything. We'll spoil the <laughs> hell out of Jessica Jones, but we're not going to tell you everything about this book. Yeah, because go read it. It's good. At least I think so. Right. And that's I, the thing I for me. It's it's, it, it's it's not as much about the artwork for me, although I do I do enjoy it. I, I, this this book in particular, I really do like it. Man, if you can tell me a good story, I'm in. You know, it could be stick figures, and if you're telling me a good story, I'm I'm in. But I do like, I do appreciate the solid visuals and the the detail and all that. It's, it's pretty sweet. But just the story on its own is really good, really fast paced, lots of craziness, and I think it's on purpose because you're it definitely because thinking about it from the character's point of view and the story at this point, they still don't know what the hell's going on. I mean, these things have right. been happening. This, these cataclysmic 
events, these traumatic things are happening to them every couple of hours, basically. And they they don't have time to adjust to anything. So they've got to be just complete shock at this point. And I think as a reader, it's, you're kind of, you get a little bit of that feel because it's just dragging you right along with them. Mm -hmm. But that, I think that device of giving us the flashbacks to, you know, a couple weeks before, a couple days before, a couple hours before is helping the reader out to get a a better grasp of what's going on. Because otherwise you run the risk of losing the audience, I think. Yeah. Not all the audience, but I mean, I I think you'd lose some people if, you know, if, if it was so complicated that, you know, only a few people could figure it out, well, you're not going to sell any books, so. Yeah. Or not as many books. Or not as many, yeah. But it is what it is, and it's structured very well, I think. And I, for one, am enjoying it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. So how was, how was your turkey day? My turkey day. My turkey day consisted of no turkey. But oh. I brought this on myself. Did you have tacos? I did not have tacos. I had Whataburger. Oh, that's a turkey. It was delicious. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I was. Uh, I stayed home. Um, I spent the weekend painting the downstairs of my house. So I was. I was productive. Excellent. I was. I was working all day Thanksgiving Day, and I had some stuff yeah. I was going to cook. I had a big dinner. I was going to cook myself, and I stopped for lunch. Went to Waterburger. I was like, okay, I'm going to cook dinner in a few hours. And I got done for the day. I was like, I'm not cooking anything. I'm not moving. <laughs> So <laughs> I ended up cooking my Thanksgiving dinner today. Okay. But, but yeah, Thanksgiving still, for me was... That, that weekend thing, you're within the range of yeah, yeah. Thanksgiving, so... And it still wasn't turkey, but it was That's delicious. Okay. Yeah, it was still delicious. I did have mashed potatoes, so I did have a kind of Thanksgiving thing. And I've got, uh, I've got some uh, pumpkin ale in the fridge, so... Okay. You know, I, got, I got pumpkin and I got mashed potatoes in there, so... I think there you good. go. I think you're right. Yeah. How about y'all? Did y'all do anything special? Well, the night before, dun, dun, dun. We're sitting down to dinner and everything, and then like uh, I had baked something. I can't even remember right now, but we, um, we're, I'm standing by the oven, and Lucas walks by me. That's my eight-year-old. And I hear a pop, and I'm like, oh, it's just a pan warping or whatever so i take dinner out and everything and we eat our dinner the night before and we're like oh hey let's preheat the oven and bake this pie that we got in the freezer or whatever i'm like okay so we we go to bake the pie and um well we go to preheat the oven to the right temperature and nothing happens it just gets Uh colder and colder and colder Mm -hmm. so i'm like okay so i start looking it up and i look it all up and the the um apparently the the bake element had shattered in the bottom of the oven, Whoa. which is weird because it's all covered and everything. And mm-hmm. we don't have to worry about like knocking it or dropping anything on it. So I take it apart and find out that it is indeed shattered and it's not some like computer issue because everything is computerized now. Um, and then I was like, Oh, okay. So immediately I think, okay, we're going to go to the places that we bought or well, the place that we bought them oven. And so I go there and, Actually, I call there. <laughs> Nobody answers. Okay, they're getting ready for Black Friday or something like that. It's really busy. And then we get out there. There's like like uh, staff just standing around everywhere I look. And I'm like, okay, this is <laughs> this is great. Uh, what's going on? And we go in and, oh, no, we don't carry parts. Uh, we can order not. parts for you. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to go hit a couple of other hardware stores thinking on that same line and though the none of the hardware stores carry it or whatever and i'm like okay 
I'm I'm done for tonight. And we've already put out lines to figure out whose oven we can use. And <laughs> so we ended up using one of our great friends down the street oven. So we were walking up and down the street and baking all day. And it was fun. Hysterical. It was great because at one point it was sleeting and snowing and raining oh, at the fun. same time when I'm walking up and down the street. So awesome. Carrying it was a great adventure. Do. Sounds like it. Yes. So it was good. It was good. We didn't have to cook a whole lot because we actually went the route of buying our dinner. Oh. We just had to reheat stuff and bake rolls and other stuff like that. So That's it was good. Bad. Well, at least you didn't have like an entire turkey to cook or something like that or, you know. Yeah, that that, that could have been an issue. So, yeah. But it wasn't. But it wasn't. So it sounds like it worked mm-hmm. out. It was a Thanksgiving miracle. It was. It was a Thanksgiving miracle. Fantastic. Yeah, when I when I went through the drive-thru at Whataburger, for whatever reason, I hit the middle of the day. I was like, I really want a cheeseburger. That's all I want. Cool. So I went and got one. And, of course, thankfully, Whataburger was open. I get up to the drive-thru window and get ready to pay, and the little girl at the drive-thru is just like, all of a sudden, it's like this, it just clicks. She goes, wait a minute. This isn't your Thanksgiving dinner, is it? Because that would be really depressing. I was like, no, 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 no. This is just lunch. I've got a whole dinner I'm cooking at home. Like, this is just lunch. And then, of course, I go home and get to dinner time and I'm like, I'm not cooking a damn thing. I'm just going to lay on the couch. <laughs> I was like, wow, that really was my Thanksgiving dinner. Awesome. But as Thanksgiving dinners go, it was pretty good. That works. I was, that I was works happy well. with it. It worked for me. Anything else going on over there? Let's see. Well, got the downstairs painted. Looks pretty good. I'm going to go touch up a few spots. Got some of the pictures hung back up on the walls. Still got to fix some of the do a little repair work to a couple of the door frames. As the dog got carried away once or twice, as dogs will do. Yep, yep. Yeah, we're getting close. Hopefully be putting the house on the market here. I'm hoping in a couple, about two weeks. That's what I'm shooting for. Cool. Like I Maybe said, we that, could just I might have said that last show. time, but yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> like somebody want to buy a condo? <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter, at Bearded Beacon. Or email us, beardedbeacon at gmail.com. That's right. Yep. And maybe you could be the proud owner of a two-bedroom condo in it's Houston, actually Texas. It's one of the Bearded Beacon bases. Yeah, so. It's the uh, other, a.k.a. the iceberg. <laughs> so I, uh, my roommate at one time, his name is Moose, and he came up with this, and he's like, it's the iceberg. He's like, where else are a moose and a seal going to live? <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> so we started calling it the iceberg. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, man. And there you have it. That's something. I think I've had another story to tell you, and I forgot what it was. I was like, oh, yeah, I need to tell Chris this. And now I don't remember. That dang old ADD. I'm just doing prep work for my show coming up on December 11th. So, be sending stuff off to get printed and try to do some more little hand-drawn things and fill up my wall that they're going to give me, if they're going to give me a wall. Either that or they're going to give me a bucket on the floor so then I can just fill the bucket. Nice. I'll fill that bucket. Not really. <laughs> so, what are, what are the details? Hit us with the details on the show again. Oh, it's at the Bay uh, Skate Park here in Lincoln, Nebraska. And it's just in the evening, I believe, um, 5.30 to 8.30. And uh, it's, yeah, 
that's it. I mean, just I think 40 to 50 artists cool. are going to get all together and just show their works and offer unique things for people to buy for Christmas or just for themselves. Cool, man. And that's, that's December 11th, is that right? Yep. Cool. So if you're buy in, local. If you're in the Lincoln, Nebraska area, go see my boy. Go buy some things. And if you're not, road trip. Yeah. That'd be fun. I wish I could. <laughs> Dude, I'd totally do that if I could get away with it. My luck, it's, there's going to be like four feet of snow that day or something like that. So that's just the way things happen around here. It's just the way it goes, man. And they'll say that there's not going to be any snow and then we'll get like, yeah, yeah, a bazillion inches of snow. I think it's safe to say that I will not get any snow that day. Um, and now that I say that, <laughs> we're going to get this 100-year blizzard's going to roll through Houston, Texas and be like, well, who knew? <laughs> we did. Here at the Bearded Beacon, we knew that there would be we a called ton of it snow on December 11th. In Houston. In Lincoln. So if you're in mm-hmm. either one of those places, stock up on water and whatever now, or just go visit your families, because apparently it's going to be an apocalyptic blizzard is going to hit us both, or something. And on that bombshell, cool. I think it's time to end. Yeah. So... I believe so. I think you're right. <laughs> on our happy note. On a happy yeah, note. Well, we just made, I mean, you know, <laughs> we just made that up, theoretically. Mm-hmm. No, it's going to be fine. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> it's going to be a great week. Now every grocery store in Houston can thank us for, That's right. for a little tidbit of knowledge. We boosted sales. We did something for our communities. We've helped our local grocers out because they're going to sell a whole bunch of bottled water. And canned soup. See? So we're, we're doing our part to support That's the community. Right. That's right. That's what we set out to do in the beginning, to do our part. That's right. We want to do good. Like our boy Huck, we're going to do something good every day for somebody. And that's that's what we that's did today. Right. I can't wait for the next issue of that. I know. I'm so excited. I'm Yeah. I'm, I'm really geeked up about that. That's going to be one of that's gonna be one of the books I look forward to every single month. But a few more weeks till that one comes out. But only <laughs> one more week until the next episode of the podcast comes out. So until next time, I'm Seal. I'm Chris from R10 Creations. Take it easy and listen for the beacon.